the Sunday sermons of St. Alphonsus de Liguri, Sermon 52, for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, on impenitence. Lord, my daughter is even now dead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. How great is God's goodness, how difficult is it to obtain pardon from a man whom we have offended. When sinners cast themselves at the feet of the Lord with humility and with sorrow for having offended him, he instantly pardons and embraces them. Turn to me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn to you. Sinners, says the Lord, I have turned my back on you, because you first turned your back on me. Return to me, and I will return to you and will embrace you. When rebuked by the prophet Nathan, David repented and said, I have sinned against the Lord. I have offended my God. David was instantly pardoned. For at the very moment that he confessed his guilt, Nathan said to him, The Lord also hath taken away thy sin. But let us come to the gospel of the day, in which we find that a certain ruler, whose daughter was dead, went immediately to Jesus Christ and asked him to restore her to life. Lord, my daughter is even now dead, but come, lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. In explaining this passage, St. Bonaventure turns to the sinner and says, Your daughter is your soul. She even now is dead by sin. Hasten your conversion. Brother, your soul is your daughter that has just died by committing sin. Return immediately to God. Hasten. If you delay and defer your conversion from day to day, the wrath of God shall suddenly come upon you, and you shall be cast into hell, delaying not to be converted to the Lord, and defer it not from day to day. Behold the sermon for this day, in which I will show first the danger to which he who is in the state of sin and defers his conversion is exposed and secondly the remedy to be adopted by him who is in sin and wishes to save his soul first point the danger to which a person in sin who defers his conversion is exposed St. Augustine considers three states of Christians the first is the state of those who have always preserved their baptismal innocence. The second is the state of those who have fallen into sin and have afterwards returned to God and persevered in grace. The third is of those who have fallen and have always relapsed into sin and are found in that unhappy state of death. Speaking of the first and second class, he pronounces them secure of salvation. But speaking of the third Uh, He says, I do not say, I do not presume, I do not promise. He neither says, nor presumes, nor promises that such sinners are saved. From these words, it appears that in his opinion, it is very improbable that they obtain eternal life. St. Thomas teaches that he who is in the state of mortal sin cannot long abstain from the commission of some new sin. And St. Gregory says, 
A sin which is not blotted out by repentance, by its weight, soon draws to another sin. Hence, it is not only a sin, but the cause of sin. One sin is the cause of another, because in the sinner reason is disordered, and inclines him to evil. And therefore, he cannot long resist temptation. Hence, according to the holy doctor St. Anselm, Though they understand the great advantage of sanctifying grace, sinners, because they are deprived of grace, always relapse, in spite of all of their efforts to avoid sin. But how can the branch that is cut off from the vine produce fruit? As says Jesus Christ, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abide in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. But some young persons may say, I will hereafter give myself to God. Behold the false hope of sinners, which leads them to remain in sin till death, and from death conducts them to hell. Who are you to say that you will hereafter give yourself to God? But who, I ask, promises you that you shall have time to give yourself to God, and that you shall not meet with a sudden death? which will take you out of this world before you give yourself to him. He says, St. Gregory, who has promised pardon to penitents, has not promised tomorrow to sinners. The Lord has promised pardon to all who repent of their sins. But to those who wish to continue in sin, he has not promised time for repentance. Do you say hereafter? But Jesus Christ tells you, that time is in the hand of God and not under your control. It is not for you to know the times or the moments which the Father has put in his own power. We read in the Gospel of St. Luke that Jesus Christ, seeing a fig tree which was fruitless for three years, ordered it to be cut down. He said to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, for these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down, therefore. Why come birth to the ground? Tell me, you who say that you will hereafter give yourself to God, for what purpose does he preserve your life? Is it that you may continue to insult him by sin? No. He gives you life that you may renounce sin and change your conduct. Knowest that thou not the benignity of God leadeth thee to penance? But you are resolved not to amend. And if you wish to give yourself to God only hereafter, he will say of your soul to the dresser of the vineyard, Cut it down. Why cumbereth to the ground? Why should such a sinner be allowed to remain on earth? <laughs> Is it to continue to offend me? Cut down this fruitless tree and cast it into the fire. Every tree, therefore, that doth not yield good fruit shall be cut down and cast into the fire. But should God hereafter give you time for repentance, will you, if you do not now repent, return to him thereafter? Sins, like so many chains, keep the sinner in bondage. He is first bound with the ropes of his own sins. My brother, if you cannot now break the cords by which you are at present bound, will you be able to break them hereafter, when they shall be doubled by the commission of new sins? 
to give him an idea of the degree of folly which impenitent sinners reach our Lord, our Lord one day showed to the abbot Arsenius in Ethiopian, who not being able to raise a load of faggots, added to their weight, and thus became thus able to raise it. Sinners, said the Savior to the holy abbot, act in a similar manner. They wish to get rid of their past sins, and at the same time commit new ones. These new sins shall lead them into others more numerous and more enormous. Cain sinned against his brother first by envy, then by hatred, and afterwards by murder. Finally he despaired of the divine mercy, saying, My iniquity is greater than that I may obtain pardon. Judas also was first guilty of the sin of avarice. He then betrayed Jesus Christ and afterwards hanged himself. Sins chain the sinner and make him their slave so that he knowingly brings himself to destruction. His own iniquities catch the wicked. Moreover, his sins weigh down the sinner to such a degree that he no longer regards heaven nor his own salvation. My iniquities, said David with tears, are growing over my head and as a heavy burden are become heavy upon me. Hence, the miserable man loses reason, thinks only of earthly goods, and thus forgets the divine judgments. And they perverted their own minds and turned away their eyes, that they might not look unto heaven, nor remember just judgments. He even hates the light, because he fears that it will interrupt his criminal pleasures. Everyone that doth evil hateth the light. Hence he becomes miserably blind and goes round about continually from sin to sin. The wicked walk round about. He then despises admonitions, divine calls, hell, heaven, and God. The wicked, when he has come into the depth of his sins, contemneth. He hath, says Job, torn me with wound upon wound. He hath rushed in upon me like a giant. By conquering one temptation, a man acquires not only additional strength to repel future assaults, but also diminishes the power of the devil. And on the other hand, when we yield to any temptation, the devil becomes like a giant. And we become so weak that we scarcely have strength to resist him any longer. If you receive a wound from an enemy, you lose strength. If to this new wounds be added, you shall be exhausted and rendered unable to defend yourself. This is what happens to the fools who say, well, I will hereafter give myself to God. How can they resist the attacks of the devil after they have lost their strength and after their wounds have mortified? My souls are putrefied and corrupted because of my foolishness. At its commencement, a wound is easily healed. But when it comes gangrenous, the cure is more difficult. Recourse must be had to the cautery, but even this remedy is in many cases ineffectual. But Father, St. Paul teaches, that God will have on all men to be saved, and that Jesus Christ came on earth for the salvation of sinners. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, God certainly wills the salvation of all who desire it. 
He wills the salvation of those who wish to save their souls, but not of those who labor for their own damnation. Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. To save our souls, two things are necessary. First, the grace of God, and secondly, our own cooperation. Behold, I stand at the gate and knock. If any man shall hear my voice and open to me the door, I will come unto him. Then in order that God may enter into us by his grace, we must on our part obey his calls and open our hearts to him. Likewise, St. Paul says, with fear and trembling, work out your salvation. He says work out. Then we too must cooperate to our salvation by good works. Otherwise, the Lord will give us only sufficient grace by which we shall be able to save our souls, but by which certainly we will not save them. Behold the reason. He who is in a state of sin and continues to commit sin is daily more and more attached to the flesh and more removed from God. Now how can God, by his grace, approach to us when we withdraw farther from him? He then retires from us and becomes less liberal of his favors. And I will make him desolate, and I will command the clouds to rain no more upon it. When the soul continues to offend God, he abandons her and withdraws his helps. Hence, she shall cease to feel remorse of conscience. She shall be left without light, and the blindness of her understanding and the hardness of her heart shall be increased. They shall become utterly insensible to the cause of God, to the maxims of faith, and to the melancholy examples of other rebellious souls that have closed their career in hell. But who knows, the obstinate sinner will say, but God will show me the same mercy which he has shown to a certain great sinners. In answer to this, St. Christopher says, You say, perhaps God will give me the grace of salvation? But why do you say, perhaps? Is it because he has sometimes given to great sinners the grace of eternal life? But remember, says the holy doctor, that there is question of your soul which, if once lost, is lost forever. I, too, take you up and admit that God has, by certain extraordinary graces, saved some enormous sinners. But these cases are very rare. They are prodigies and miracles of grace by which God wished to show the boundlessness of his mercy. But ordinarily, sinners who wish to continue in sin are, in the end, cast into hell. On them are executed the threats of the Lord against obstinate sinners. You have despised my counsels and neglected my reprehensions. I also will laugh in your destruction. And they will call upon me and I will not hear. I, says the Lord, have called on them again and again, but they have refused to hear me. But they did not hear nor incline their ears, but hardened their neck that they might not hear me. Now they call upon me. It is but just that I refuse to listen to their cries. God bears, but he does not bear forever. When the time of vengeance arrives, he punishes past and present iniquities. For me, the Most High is a patient rewarder. 
And according to St. Augustine, the longer God has waited for negligent sinners, the more severely He will chastise them. He who promises to amend and willfully neglects to return to God is unworthy of the grace of true repentance. But God is full of mercy. He is full of mercy. But he is not so stupid as to act without reason. To show mercy to those who continue to insult him would be stupidity and not goodness. Is thy eye evil because I am good? Will you persevere in wickedness because I am bountiful? God is good, but he is also just. And exerts us all to observe his law if we wish to save our souls. If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Were God to show mercy to the wicked as well as to the just, and to give to all the grace of conversion before death, he would hold out a strong temptation even to the saints to commit sin. But no, when his mercies have reached their term, he punishes and pardons no more. And my eye shall not spare thee, and I will show thee no pity. Hence he says, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. We are prevented from working in the winter by the cold and on the Sabbath by the law. In this passage, the Redeemer gives us to understand that for impenitent sinners, a time shall come when they would wish to give themselves to God, but shall find themselves prevented by their bad habits from returning to Him. Of this, there are numberless melancholy examples. In his sermons on a happy death, Catanaeus relates that a dissolute young man, when admonished to give up his wickedness, said, I have a saint who is omnipotent, and this is the mercy of God. Death came, the unhappy man sent for a confessor, but while he was preparing for confession, the devil wrote down before his eyes all his sins. He was seized with terror and exclaimed, Alas, what a long catalog of sins! And before he was able to make his confession, he expired. In his sermons for Sundays, Cambadelli relates that a young nobleman, addicted to the sins of the flesh, was warned by God and by men to amend his life. But he despised all their admonitions. He afterwards fell into a severe illness, confessed his sins, and promised to change his life. But after his recovery, he returned to the vomit. Behold the vengeance of God. Being one day in the field during the vintage, he took fever, went home, and feeling that the disease was far advanced, he sent in haste for a priest who lived near the house. The priest comes, enters the house, salutes the sick man, but sees a frightful spectacle, the eyes and the mouth open, the face black as jet. He calls the sick man, but finds that he is dead. Dearly beloved brethren, take care that you too be not so miserable examples of the justice of God. Give up sin, but give it up from this moment, for if you continue to commit sin, the same vengeance which has fallen on so many others shall also fall on you. Let us come to the remedy. Second point. The remedy for those who find themselves in sin and wish to save their souls. Jesus Christ was one day asked, If the number of the elect is small, Lord, are they few that are saved? But he said to them, Strive to enter by the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, shall seek to enter and shall not be able. 
He says that many seek to enter heaven, but do not enter. And why? Because they wish to gain eternal life without inconvenience, and without making strong efforts to abstain from forbidden pleasures. Therefore he said, strive to enter at the narrow gate. The gate of heaven is narrow. To enter it we must labor, and must do violence to ourselves. And we ought to be persuaded that what we can do today, we shall not be able always to do hereafter. The delay of conversion sends many Christians to hell. The weakness, darkness, and obduracy of the soul are, as we have already said, daily increased, and the divine helps are diminished. Thus the soul shall die in her sins. You say, I will hereafter return to God? Then you know that, to save your soul, you must renounce sin. Why do you not give it up now that God calls you to repentance? If it sometimes says a St. Augustine, why not now? The time which you now have to repair the past shall not be given to you hereafter. And the mercy which God shows you at present will not be extended to you at a future time. If then you wish to save your soul, do immediately what you must one day do. Go to confession as soon as possible and tremble lest every delay may be the eternal ruin of your soul. Were a physician, says the saint, St. Fulgentius, to offer you a remedy for sickness, would you say, I do not wish to be cured at present because I hope to recover hereafter. And when there is question of the salvation of your soul, you say, I will remain in sin because I hope that God will be merciful to me at a future time. But if according to his just judgments, the Lord should not show you mercy hereafter, what shall become of you? Shall you not be damned? Let us, says the Apostle, do good while we have the time to do it. Therefore, whilst we have time, let us work good to all men. For time may not be given to us to do good hereafter. Hence the Lord exalts, exerts us to guard our souls with great care, because we know not the hour when he will come to demand an account of our life. Watch ye therefore, because you know not the day nor the hour. My soul is continually in my hands. He who wears on his finger a ring containing a diamond of great value looks frequently at the ring to see if the diamond be secure. It is thus we ought to watch over our souls. And we should see that it has been lost by sin. We ought instantly to adopt every means in our power to recover it. And should we see that it has been lost by sin, we ought instantly to adopt every means in our power to recover it. We ought to turn immediately to Jesus our Savior like Magdalene, who as soon as she knew that he said at meat ran to him, cast herself at his feet, and by her tears obtained pardon. Now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. For all who are found in sin, the axe of divine justice is at hand to take away their life as soon as the time of vengeance arrives. Arise then, Christian souls, 
And if you are bound by any bad habit, burst your chains and remain no longer the slaves of Satan. Loose the bonds from off thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. You have placed your foot on the mouth of a vortex, that is, on sin, which is the mouth of hell. Take away your foot and retire. Otherwise you shall fall into an unfathomable abyss. I find myself subject to an evil habit. But if you wish to give up sin, who can force you to commit it? All bad habits and all the temptations of hell are overcome by the grace of God. Recommend yourself to the heart of Jesus Christ and he will give you grace to conquer all your enemies. But should you be in any proximate occasion of sin, you must immediately take it away, otherwise you shall relapse. Do not wait to loose your bonds gradually. Cut them by a single stroke. The devil seeks to make you slow in shaking off your fetters. Look for a good confessor. He will tell you what to do. And should you have the misfortune of falling hereafter into any mortal sin, go immediately to confession, even on the same day or the same night if you can. Finally, listen to what I now say to you. God is ready to assist you if you wish. It is in your power to save your souls. Tremble, brethren, lest these words of mine, if you despise them, should be for you so many swords in hell for all eternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Alphonsus of Bulgari, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.